Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Pacers fans, this is your host Mark Schindler coming at you with an intro before the intro. Um, I did a really great podcast with Kevin Rice, which is coming up shortly, um, but I just had to come in afterwards to update you. We talked uh, you know, fairly in-depth about Miles Turner uh, and a little bit about TJ Warren as well. Uh, injury report came out after, uh, probably a couple hours after the episode was done recording, that TJ Warren and Miles Turner were for sure not going to be out. I uh, just wanted to iterate that so so you knew uh, going in. But enjoy this episode and uh, excited to hear your feedback on it. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, please be sure to go rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. Always, uh, I mean, share this on social media. Tag me in it. Tag uh, tag Tom in it. Tag anyone in it who's affiliated with any corners. You know what? Just tag anyone in it. Tag tag your friends. Uh, let them know. Spread the good gospel. We're doing some good stuff over here. Uh, and the season is starting up. So a lot of exciting stuff. Um, in lieu of the final preseason game, uh, I'm psyched to be joined by Kevin Rice. Uh, does some great work over at Liberty Ballers as well as for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Also has some great Twitter game. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing today, man? Great. How are you? Good, man. I can't complain. We were uh, bitching about it earlier, but it was, of course, I think I can't remember the last time I started off a podcast with somebody who also was from the Midwest and we didn't talk about the weather for the first five minutes. It's just uh, it's, is what it is, man. You know, I know but, it's, uh, it's actually snowing, which is weird for December now. But yeah, no. All right. It's only happened like three times, but I guess global warming is not a thing, apparently. But, you know, that, <laughs> that's right. That's a whole other discussion. But uh, yeah, I mean. Looking at things that are heating up, I guess, uh, with the Sixers. Wow, damn. I, I got enamored with that transition for a second. That, that was a good segue. That was, I'm very, very pleased with it. But then I tanked the transition, but, you know, it's, you win some, you lose some. Um, you know, I, I think I haven't – I personally don't give a flying fuck about preseason, I'll be completely honest. I, mm-hmm. I follow it because I have to. Um, so yeah. I haven't watched any of the Sixers at all. Normally I'm watching, like, every team play at least once a week. Um so I got to ask you, what, what's been different? Obviously, the roster is like pretty pretty overhauled compared to last year. What has really stood out so far across – Sixers have played two games, right? Uh, they've only played one so far. Oh, they've only played one. Okay, well, yeah. what has stood out in the one game then? I'm, it's small sample size theater right here. Yeah, the spacing's different. Uh, last year sucked a lot <laughs> yeah. with Al Horford, Ben Simmons, and Joel all in the paint at once. Minimal shooting around them, minimal dribbling around them. Uh Seth Curry, Danny Green are actually like good role players around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So Seth looked okay, but again, preseason game. Danny looked really nice out there. It's it's hopeful again in Philadelphia. I never thought they would kind of get themselves out of that cap situation with Tobias Harris and Al Horford's contracts, but new hire, hire Daryl Morey kind of just did it with a wave of his hand. So I'm excited for them. They're pretty deep this year, especially at the guard position, which is odd because last year they had no one. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful for them. They're, they looked good. And again, I agree with your sentiment about, pre- sentiment about preseason. It's, it's give or take. You can read into what you want to pull whatever you want to fit your own narrative. But they look they look good. They look like how I expected them to look. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I remember as soon as Daryl got hired, I was like, oh, wow. Philly's jumping Indiana ASAP. I mean, I think last year there was there was already a talent gap. I mean, Joel and Ben are so much better than anybody who's on the Pacers. And that's not to besmirch those guys. I mean, Ben and Joel are just so freaking good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just having a, and it, I don't know, it's, I get kind of caught up in it. What I got to ask, what are your thoughts on Elton Brand? Because I felt like just in my opinion from an outsider's look a little bit, um, it felt a lot like uh, it's more on the ownership group than on the front office necessarily, just based on how everything has went down and everything that's come out. Like Euron Weissman's stuff has been like, the, that reporting is absurd to read through sometimes. Yeah. Um, like just, especially when it comes down to like the accountability stuff with Brett Brown. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. That's actually really interesting that you put it more on the ownership because around Philadelphia, people just throw Elton Brand under the yeah. bus a lot and just assume it's him. But from what I know, it's all like unconfirmed sources, reports, and everything. Mm-hmm. It was mostly this what Philadelphia refers to as the collaborative GM. Yeah, uh, there were a bunch of different like shadow guys who a couple of them have now been let go bunch of different like shadow guys operating and they put elton at the face of it when elton wasn't really making any real decisions like everyone thought the al horford signing was elton because they go back they've been teammates they're friends that wasn't elton brand that was alex rucker who is now gone um so there was a lot of different things that weren't elton brand's fault that seemed like they were so i i like elton he's a very good guy he has a lot of good relations with players and teams and everything uh i think learning under Daryl Morey is going to be really, really good for him. Just moving forward, either with the Sixers or with another team. He even said, I think after the season, when they were like restructuring, their yeah, front that he office, finally like, was in control now. <laughs> like, yeah. And he was like, I didn't really know what I was doing at the start. It's like, Oh, that's great. Our general yeah. manager didn't know what he was doing, but they got more basketball people in there, which I'm excited for. Cause Elton's a basketball guy. He understands the game. So mm-hmm. I like Elton a lot and it was definitely not all his fault. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's that's what I thought about a lot with it, too. I was like, well, I mean, even if it like to I mean, there are definitely things that he didn't do well. But like you look at it, it's like, OK, this is a guy who was I mean, he was, I guess, kind of like affiliated with the front office after he retired, but like mm-hmm. not in like an official capacity. And then they're like, OK, you're GM now. Like, that's a big step up to, to go. And obviously he did like uh, the NBPA uh, uh, training program to like get affiliated with it um and get into working in the front office but like it's one thing to be taking courses on it another thing to actually be doing it especially with a team like the sixers so it's like yeah it's it's totally different and i i liked spreading that out to people because it's like yeah i mean there was a lot more going on there than just that but uh and on that we'll never know the full extent yeah. unless one of them writes a book but like it was it was a lot and he also Delton was the gm of the g league affiliate for a year mm-hmm. during a season and then they bumped him up and I was like, okay, well, I guess yeah. he did it really well. And I didn't see it down in Delaware, but yeah, exactly. I mean, it's totally different step up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I, the, one of the main questions I want to ask you right away, um, I, I would, I, I would come right out and ask uh, what is the biggest thing for the Sixers this year? But I feel like I already have the answer for that because just in my, you know, I probably watched 25 or 30 games of them last year. Cause obviously, I mean, they're, I, I was one of the people who fell into the trap. I picked them number one to finish in the East last year. I thought they were going to just cream Milwaukee, like uh, totally run rampant over everyone at home. Yes. Uh, away, not so much. Um, it's, it comes down to Joel Embiid, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so far, just in everything that's come out of uh, the media cycle, I mean, what, if, what are your kind of thoughts on where Joel's at coming into the year and um, your kind of expectations for him, I guess? They, I'm hopeful for him this year. I think this is going to be a very good season for him. 
uh, last year and even the year before that, they did not do a great job at surrounding him with players that would allow him to succeed. They in no way maximized his abilities on the court. Uh, last year, last year in theory, they like could have run through the Bucks. They had Al Horford. Like they had two and a half guys really who could guard Giannis in the East. Like mm-hmm. they seemed like they were set, but games played not on paper, so it did not work out. And it was very evident that Embiid was not happy with the team, with the front office, with a lot of different stuff. And he had kind of it was like. I want to say around January, he like very clearly checked out kind of, and he was just like, like, I'm good. And he like checked out and still put up 20 and 10 every night, at least like he checked out and it was incredible. So if he's more engaged this season, and I think he will be because the Seth Curry, Danny green, he has a backup center now, which he legitimately has never had a backup center, like Mm -hmm. in his career. It's, it's wild to think about. Like if they had, if the Sixers had Dwight Howard two seasons ago when they, lost on the quiet shot to the Raptors, they would have been a championship team. I'm pretty sure. Like they had Greg Monroe backing him up. Yeah. All in. <laughs> yeah. So if they can give him a little less time on the court, like a little less stress almost because last year, again, teams could just double him the post and they would just have Horford, Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons off the ball. Like none of those guys are really a threat when you're doubling and beating the post. So they surrounded him with a lot more talent this year, a lot more shooting spacing, create self-creation. So I can see him making a run for defensive player of the year this year. That would be my like lofty goal for Joel of just, he has all the pieces around him now. Now it's time to like be the Joel. We saw his rookie year, his sophomore year, like all that incredible stuff he can do. I think he's going to bring it back this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would agree too. Like, and, and part of it was, I mean, he came out, uh, I remember, I mean, Zach Lowe's talked about it a bunch about how last year, like Sixers media day was like insane because everybody was crowning them like right at the beginning. Um, and he, I mean, Joel came out and was like, oh yeah, I want to win MVP. I want to win defensive player of the year this year. It all comes back on me. And obviously, like you mentioned, it did not really come to fruition. But I think too, I mean, looking at the playoffs, I know he got a lot of flack because obviously they got swept. Um, there was no one on that team who could create a post-entry pass at all. So it's like, I mean, even, no. even like, I mean, he was still killing it. And like, I have no idea how they've been getting the ball into him. And it's like, once he, once he has the ball and he's getting doubled, who is he kicking it out to? Right. I mean, like no. Ben was not even there. Like, it's just, uh, yeah, the whole, whole thing. But um, I guess before we, we dive into a little bit more, um, what are your thoughts on the Pacers headed into this year and just kind of um where they're at or, or questions you have about them. Yeah. I, I like the Pacers team. I have some family out in Indiana. So uncle Stort, Matt, Ben, aunt Leslie, shout out you guys. <laughs> I've been watching Victor Oladipo since his Indiana days. And my cousin actually went to school with him at IU mm-hmm. and he was like the first player I fell in love with. Like I loved Victor Oladipo after college. I have a magic pinstripe Jersey that they got for me for Christmas. Like oh, awesome. I was all in on Victor. So I never really watched the Paul George Pacers that much. I, I don't I don't know why I just didn't really vibe with them. But then when Victor went back, I was like, okay, I'll watch the Pacers now. Yeah. And I like I like Miles Turner a lot. I like Victor a lot. Um, I feel like the they're kind of caught in limbo though. Of they have had some bad injury luck, obviously with Victor and others, T.J. Warren. But like, it seems like the Pacers to me are kind of just in that like I don't even know like limbo. I guess is the only word I'm going to think of right now. Uh, purgatory. That's the word. Uh, they're the kind of in purgatory right now. They're not a championship team. They're not an Eastern Conference Finals team, and they're definitely not a non-playoff team. So, how do you see their future going as just like a five seed, basically, for the rest of like Oladipo era, Miles Turner era, or what can they do to avoid yeah. that? 
Yeah, that's a great question, man. Like, I think I've, I've been trying to really wrestle with that this whole off season. Um, like I think they were okay running it back. And I also think they weren't okay. like, they clearly, they did not want to run it back. I mean, they tried to make the move for Gordon Hayward and obviously glad they did not $30 million for Gordon Hayward on the Pacers does not make any sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly they wanted to make moves, but they were like, okay, well, we're going to run it back. And like you mentioned, injury luck's been terrible. Uh, Domas missed the entire bubble with yeah. foot injury. Yeah. I mean, Victor, obviously, uh, since 17, 18, just hasn't been the same player. Um, so I think if you look at it like the top, you know, five percentile, like I look at it in terms of like talking about draft picks almost like, so like the fifth percentile outcome with this team, you could see like maybe they're a three seed or something. If Victor is back to, at least, you know, like 90% of what he was, he can create stuff on ball again. Um, and then you have mostly consistent health throughout the team. Then I think you can squint and be like, okay, there's a new coaching staff. They're actually shooting threes at a competent rate this year. Um, you can see an avenue for it. But at the same time, I agree. I mean, right now, um, there are a lot of questions about Victor and what his health is going to look like. Um, and I mean, so far, his athleticism has come back a little bit, at least, like, again, it's just preseason, it's been two games. Uh, he looks a lot more bursty. Uh, some of that verticality is there, a little bit more physical. Um, but he still is like, all right. I mean, since you're, you're, you're an elite bull guy, so you know, I mean, he's made his his money off of he, – he's great pulling up at the top of the key, um, and then he can just flash on somebody. Like, he's so good at getting downhill. Yeah. And lately, um, starting – I mean, obviously last year, uh, he will do that same thing. He, he pulls back his dribble, gets to the top of the key, but then he ends up stepping into a contested uh, off the dribble shot because he cannot get past anyone right now. Or, uh, and I think it's part of uh, his, and he's talked about in post-game pressers too, that his, um, his, his handle is just not in rhythm with his athleticism yet. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how long it takes before that comes back. Like hopefully it will. Um, yeah. but exactly like if that, if that doesn't come back or doesn't come back at a consistent level, then yeah, this team's kind of capped at where they're at. Um, but what is it's with TJ Warren. Cause I was doing a fantasy draft the other night and I was like, Oh yeah, he's hurt. He's still hurt. Like he has a, uh, just a foot injury right now. It's exactly what the minus bonus had. He has like a, um, it's some better fashion. Yeah. Cause he was dealing that he had it, uh, throughout the playoffs last year yeah. he played. Um, and that's bugging him right now. He's considered week to week. So I'm thinking yeah, he'll be back fair. for the start of the regular season, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to play tomorrow. Um, but yeah, again, it's not a great way to start off the year. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is finally healthy, but like he yeah. had like six separate injuries last year. So yeah, exactly, man. Like, and Domas was like the one guy who was not an injury concern. And then he missed time with injury. Miles is like guaranteed to miss 10 games a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So exactly. Like hitting that, that, that percentile that I'm talking about is like very difficult. It's going to take a lot of things falling the right way. Yeah. And bubble Warren came as no surprise to Sixers fans because Warren always just murders the Sixers. Yeah. It's just, I was like, yeah, this is TJ Warren. Like, thanks for doing it to someone besides the Sixers. Yeah. Well, you'll have to, uh, you'll have to listen to the pod back when I run it tomorrow. Cause our, uh, <laughs> our intro that I have done finishes off with the, he's gone for 53 when TJ Warren hits his last bucket against the Sixers in the bubble. So it yeah. look like so average. It was like oh yeah, man. No, oh, it was just crazy though, man. Like that game was nuts. Like yeah. I have no idea what was going through him. And it's interesting too, because he's like another oh, a whole other aspect of it. Like um, he's not going to be that guy who's averaging like 30 points per game, 
Um, but if he does show a little bit more of that like on ball equity and ability to um, like run some pick and roll and just launch threes the way that he was. Yeah. Um, Cause I remember I went back and, and went back over stuff like even excluding playoffs. Like if you just take the eight seeding games, he, I think he took more off the dribble threes in the seeding games than he did the entire regular season. Wow. Like nuts. Yeah. That's he was wild. hitting them at such a better rate. Like, yeah. So that would be a huge thing if he keeps that going. But again, we'll see. I have no idea what to think yet. Like right now, I don't. Have you uh, seen any of their stuff preseason yet? Uh, I've been working a decent amount. I've watched a few games, but like the only time I'm watching the preseason is because I bet the fourth quarter unders yeah. because it's all the bad players playing. And it always. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. They just started losing because they started extending guys' minutes to get them more legs. But <laughs> yeah, the first couple of games, oh, I was up like $130. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I uh, I try and keep myself out of sports betting because I get like way too competitive with it, and then I'm like, I never know when to stop, and then I end up losing a hundred dollars. So it's you know I cut myself off eventually. But um, to give you a, a quick recap, uh, in game one they shot 45 threes, uh, which would have broken the franchise record, um, and then they shot 40 in the next game, which would have been the second highest in the regular season last year. So pretty different very different considering yeah. they finished 30th in the league in three-point attempts last year mm-hmm. um just running like a much more up-tempo style um there's actually an emphasis on shooting threes now which is kind of a conundrum because for the last three seasons with nate mcmillan every single time out of training camp um they were talking about in you know both the front office and coaching staff was talking about how oh you know we're uh, emphasize on getting out in transition shooting more threes and then it would never happen. And so now it's like, okay, well, there's like, you can clearly tell guys are like forcing themselves to spot up behind the line, making sure they are behind the line, like checking themselves. Um, not happening the last three years. So it's like, wow, that really wasn't an emphasis, even though we thought yeah. it was. But and I remember watching the couple Pacers games I watched. Oladipo is good at getting downhill, as we said, but like there was, it seemed kind of log jammy mm-hmm. of he would try and get by someone and might have gotten by someone. But there was someone, it might have been Miles Turner in the paint or just someone else cutting where he was going. And there wasn't that kind of flow on offense. And then he had to step back again, contested, and it looked odd. So even just shooting the threes, like they're not all, you need to have good three point shooters, but the philosophy is there of opening up the floor more for Victor to get downhill, which is good. Yeah, exactly. I think I always point to people too, like, um, because that's something, I mean, as, as I've gotten farther in basketball, realizing, um percentages aren't everything i think like ben taylor stuff on that is just like so mm-hmm. important like yeah. the fact that somebody's shooting like the gravity of the shot is more important than the actual shot there's a reason why luca shoots 31 percent, but he gets guarded more on the three-point line than yeah. just about anyone yeah. so there's yeah um so i guess we're gonna take a quick break real quick before we get into our next segment but we'll be right back welcome back Pacers fans all right so um <laughs> When oh, it's just people listening, it's the weirdest thing to record a break because you really don't actually stop. You just pause for like two seconds and then you go right back into it. There's no actual break. Um, interesting tidbit for you. Um, so I, I, I want to go, we'll, we'll alternate and do three things we're kind of looking for um, in tomorrow's game. Just, you know, stuff that we're hoping to see out of a player or out of the system in general. Um, so I don't put you on the spot. I will go first. Um <laughs> I think the biggest thing I'm looking for tomorrow, it's, uh, you know, the starters are probably going to play 20 to 25 minutes, but 
I want to see Miles Turner not foul the shit out of Joel Embiid. I think that is my number one thing that I'm hopeful to see. And you're laughing because you he's know what happens Joel every time. He he's, cannot defend Joel. He cannot defend Joel. It's uh, it's painful, honestly. Like in TJ Warren's insane game, Miles almost fouled out. You know, I think he only played like 17 minutes in that game because he got he normally picks up two or three fouls within the first four minutes. Um. And that's not to besmirch him. He's just like part of it is he has like no lower body bend whatsoever. But also, it's definitely mental. Like at this point, yeah. and Philadelphia's perception of Miles Turner is so skewed. <laughs> yeah. They only see Joel play him, and I love Miles, but it's it's like comical. It how is painful. Bad. He can't. Oh, it's the bad. same. So yeah. I, so he has. It's Joel Embiid is tier one. Andre Drummond is tier two. And then Nicole Jokic is tier three, but Jokic normally isn't as aggressive as the other two guys that try to kill Miles. So. Yes, oh god, yeah. For a little bit, Dwight was yeah. there, um, but yeah. So I, that's something I'm very intrigued to see, like because if a new coaching staff, if they can instill that in him, be like, hey, you know what, we're gonna like just even running new stuff too, but like either not trying to have Miles one on one on him. Like I'd honestly rather have them put Domas on him, um, just because Domas isn't gonna foul him as much, and he's much stronger as a post defender. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Like they could just do more like front him instead of always like they never fronted Joel yeah. ever. Um, so that's something I'm definitely looking forward to seeing too. And miles has been a little bit more reticent to shoot the three. So that's been good. Um, instead of passing out, uh, he actually faked the pass and dribbled into a three and, and hit it, which was pretty incredible, but that was only, he's, he, uh, he did not play in the second game. I'm not sure he's going to play tomorrow because he had an undisclosed illness, which is not, um super positive Um, it's definitely ambiguous uh but we'll see if he plays tomorrow so uh uh, what's your first thing i joel abid needs to take it to miles turn Uh, (laughs) yeah i need to see more out of ben simmons he in the first preseason game looked exactly the same on offense as he has the last two seasons and to really unlock his game and the Sixers' ceiling he needs to like either get to the line a lot more, which he got to the line an okay amount the first preseason game, but the foul shot looks the same. It's not, it's a matter of, he always avoids contact at the rim. He is an incredible athlete. He can contort his body to avoid contact in crazy ways, but I'd rather see him initiate the contact. He's incredibly strong and tough. Initiate the contact, try for an and one. If not, get to the line, shoot two free throws, shot 61% last year. Not, not good. Um, He also just, the, the shooting, everything, just the three-point shooting is never – it's not going to come around. Um, I've yeah. given up entirely. He was, he was open yesterday. Didn't even look at the basket. Um, so my biggest one, I need to see what Ben Simmons tomorrow is going to do differently than he has the last two seasons on offense because I am cautiously worried that he's the same. Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't want to see him just chilling in the dunker spot in the fourth quarter. Um, that's – yeah, it's it's an ugly scene. Uh yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think I've I've definitely been very much so in the I don't really care if he shoots threes. It's more like you're talking about, like, finding other ways to contribute. Like, mm-hmm. I would love for him to actually try at least corner threes. Like, just take them. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially in the but, preseason. Like, yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, so, I mean, I'm definitely hopeful that that will happen. But there are other ways, too, that you could get going that I'm hopeful to see, too. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That would be interesting. Um, I, I think – kind of going off that i'm interested to see who they have guarding ben simmons because last year was malcolm brogdon but he's also running the offense pretty much entirely right now um because vic is trying but again like he's really not getting downhill um so 
it's a lot to add, and especially for a guy who's super injury prone, uh, asking him to guard someone that's, you know, twice his size relatively on, ba- on the basketball court for an entire game is a lot to do. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely be interested in that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it, I was talking to Caitlin Cooper about this two days ago. We did, uh, we always do like once a month, we do um, like a overarching questions looking at everything. They're running like a very, intense ball pressure defensive scheme which is like completely the opposite of what they've been doing they're normally super conservative um so i mean they're like three-quarter court pressing uh on after baskets which is just insane um and they're even they're doing it with malcolm too like it's just like all this stuff so i'm interested to see if that continues um especially if they're doing it on ben like oh my god i am not excited about that uh well i guess not even that i'm excited like i don't see that working, but like, yeah, by all know. means, try it. Let's see what happens. But that plays right to Ben's strengths. Of yeah, running. exactly. Letting him like get a wide open, wide open bucket because you're yeah. pressing him for no fucking reason. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But um, what's number two for you? Uh, I would say I need to see how they're going to use Seth Curry in the offense. He had a kind of a rough game because you know first first game with a new team, it's going to be rough. But he is going to be a gigantic piece for them this year. He's going to be starting, which he hasn't usually in his career. I think he's only started like 70 games or something. I could be wrong yeah. on that. Um, but he's going to unlock a lot for Joel, especially. They haven't had that kind of dribble handoff threat since they got rid of J.J. Redick, and that was monumental for Joel's success. That kind mm-hmm. of shooting gravity with J.J., and then Joel had more room to operate, more time to think, everything. Um, they've talked about Curry and B. DHOs already, which is very good to hear. And Yeah. Uh, but like it didn't come to they had a couple pick and rolls last game that worked well but i need to see more of that dho action even if it's curry and ben too that would be very very interesting but i need to see more of curry and more of a framework of what he's going to do on offense besides we know he can catch and shoot and create his own shot but i need to see how he can because he can coexist with joel and ben i need to see the framework for how he can though yeah yeah, no, definitely. That makes sense to me. Like, and he's such a dynamic off ball mover too. Like he's really damn good. I love that pickup. I did hate, well, I didn't hate it. I mean, like I just felt bad for Josh Richardson last year. Um, Cause I remember I was thought I did a pod with Derek Bodner um, probably a month or two ago and he put it like the best way possible. Um, Cause I asked him about Josh Richardson. I was like, you know, what are your thoughts on him? Obviously I had a really tough year. They're like, well, when your best half court creator is Josh Richardson, that's a, that's a problem. Like, and exactly like, that's the best way to put it. Like even when he was in Miami, um, I mean, he was really good in Miami too. Um, but it was just asking a lot out of him and granted, I mean, he did not have a good year shooting from that mid range was like fine, but his three obviously dipped down part of that's the overall spacing and everything I would bet. But, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting too, because that feeds into my next question. Like, uh, what is Nate Bjorkman and the coaching staff going to do to, try and attack Steph Curry not Jesus not Steph imagine (laughs) Philadelphia got Steph wow um to attack Seth Curry um and even Danny Green I think you can attack a little bit he's still a good defender but more of a help defender than a one-on-one defender um I think there are ways like that's kind of the Pacers Avenue all right if you can get Brogdon or Old Depot going like I kind of want to see them like again it's just a preseason game but um I want to see them try and get some stuff going to see like okay well how can we attack them during the year um, because they will be jockeying with them for, for seating position if, mm-hmm. if things go right, um, yeah. <laughs> most likely. But uh, that's that's something I'm definitely looking at. Yeah. Uh, my last one for the Sixers would be Tyrese Maxey. Oh, see yes. Yeah, big fan. 
I was I was producing the Prep to Pro NBA podcast with Max Kahn and Ben Pfeiffer, and I yeah. so I could I couldn't talk during the podcast because my mic was like right next to my laptop. Yeah, no, I remember I was I was active. I was in the group watching. That was uh, I remember that you were yeah. doing that. And I was like I, I was working the entire time. I was like updating their big boards, getting stuff ready. So I was like kind of on the fly and i kept like not hearing tyrese maxey and then at, like the 15th pick or the celtics pick the 14th pick i, I was like oh my god tyrese maxey's still there and i was like well the celtics are gonna get him and then they did and then the sixers were on the clock and i was like oh my god the sixers are on the clock and tyrese maxey's there like you gotta pick him and they did and i that was the like hardest it was to like stay silent i was like fist pumping <laughs> yeah and then so first preseason preseason game he only played in the fourth quarter and he looked so good yeah Hutch on floaters, runners, those awkward little shots he can pull off were just phenomenal. He has that kind of aura that Josh Richardson had of like, you want that guy to succeed so badly. Like he just looks so good on the, like cool on the court. Like I, it's really fun. I need to see more of him though. Cause Doc Rivers has had trouble and problems playing younger guys over like vets or established players. So Maxie only got, I think 10 minutes of run. I need, I need at least 20 from him tomorrow because the way he can impact this team this year and then in the future is going to be monumental. And I cannot wait to see number zero, Tyrese Maxey, cook it up for the Sixers. He's so oh, yeah, good. definitely, man. Yeah, he had uh, – I, I saw a clip of the Euro step he had yesterday. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see him. I didn't scout a ton of him. I, like, just got into draft stuff. Um mm-hmm. I did uh I only looked at second round picks for the most part. Like I obviously I mean you see highlights and stuff for all the top guys, but I started scouting this year already just because I was like, okay, you cannot wait until the last two months to start scouting guys because that takes and this, this uh, way too much class. time. This year's class is ridiculous. Oh yeah, I'm about to watch Kate as soon as I get off this. Yeah. So he played yeah. TC yeah. yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of oh man, dude. It's it's fun. And like, have you watched Illinois at all this year? I got a couple of their games. They're little point guard. Curbello, Curbello, yeah, he's he's fun, man. And I love Ao. Like they're they're fun. I yeah, I I have to finish watching that game today too. I have a lot of stuff I gotta watch. It's a, yeah. we're in that we're in that time of year already, man. Yeah, like I, my DVR is just already full of games from like last week that I have to catch up on. But yeah, no, I keep good. working during like games we're trying to watch, so I'll just read our draft pals like reviews on them and stuff. Listen to Prep to Pro and everything that'll catch me up because I'm trying yeah. to watch as much Scotty Barnes as I can, and I. I've only even watched two games, I think, of his. Yeah, I actually – I haven't gotten to Florida State yet, to be completely honest. And now I think about it. I, it's another one I have to watch. Now. Damn. <laughs> so but, uh, I mean, speaking of draft stuff, too, are you a little bit worried about Isaiah Joe's shot? Because, it uh, again, one preseason game. But I know some, some of our draft friends were, were putting some stuff. I actually – they're a little bit worried about how his shot looks. First shot was pretty bad. I don't know yeah. – I don't know what happened. Um Sixers have had their history of shots mysteriously becoming terrible or just never existing, but uh, I hope it's okay. I don't, I don't know enough to like speak on it. Um, I guess that's, um, that's my fourth thing to watch tomorrow. Isaiah Joe actually shooting like Isaiah Joe, but I I love Isaiah Joe. I hope, yeah, I hope he's like, okay enough to play, but yeah. Yeah, same with the uh, the Paul Reed Twitter saga. That was funny. I felt really bad for him. But he, like, put out, like, the, yeah, first game, let's go. Can't wait to get in. And then tweets after the game. <laughs> I don't I don't remember exactly what he tweeted. I got to get like, it out the mud again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I I mean, he was someone I, like, I can't believe that he fell that far. Like, I get it. There are obviously, like, parts of his game. He's, like, pretty raw. 
But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that was an awesome pickup. So I'm I was also hoping, hoping he was getting in because I had the fourth quarter under. <laughs> yeah. Crazy defense. I mean, hey, I, I hope that would have been my fourth thing. I want to see Paul replay tomorrow. I love yeah. watching his stuff from yeah. Paul. So chaotic awesome oh yeah like he just makes so much sense to be in philly like i love it i was really sad that they cut lumine Janet. um i know mm-hmm. i think he came back on exhibit 10 um but regardless very sad yeah but i'm happy they got maxi joe paul reed that's a good draft hall i know but Janet is just like man he is fun he's just like yeah. no idea what to think he's gonna be but yeah um all right, so I guess the last thing I do want to ask you, just because it's been in the in, in the world and we have to talk about it for a sec, um, the whole James Harden to Philadelphia thing, where are you at on that and uh, thoughts on it? Because um, I, I think some of the stuff that's been – some of the stuff with James Harden, like, I don't know. I'm not someone who likes to talk about trades before they happen or, like, talk the new existence. But with how, like, prevalent it has been, I think it just, like, just want to hit it on it for a sec. James Harden would be, like, the second best player you could – maybe third best player you could surround Joel Embiid with besides like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. Like if you can get James Harden, get James Harden with Joel Embiid, like this instant, I would trade Ben for Harden easily. And a lot of Philadelphia fans would not. They are, they think Harden chokes in the playoffs. They think he's old. (laughs) He just dribbles. And I'm like, you do not watch enough James Harden or understand. I would agree with that. He is a transcendent, like possibly the best offensive player of our generation, like him, Steph, and Dame, I guess, like revolutionized three-point shooting and how the game is played in the half court. Um, I am all in on getting Harden. People are worried about the chemistry issues too of Harden kind of ostracizing um, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook of they both look so happy on their new teams. Yeah. Um, I would deal with that fine. Like uh, that's a concern. It's a valid concern, but like I would, the pros outweigh the cons of getting Harden for Philly and the thought of Harden and Embiid like on the court on the same team that would be beautiful basketball mouth watering I would trade basically anyone on the Sixers roster except for Embiid but like you you might trade Embiid for Harden theoretically but like I wouldn't do it yeah no that's an interesting thing like I I, I've always been in the you know try and keep Simmons and Embiid together because when else are you getting players that good but exactly like if James Harden is available and he wants to go to Philadelphia, I think you make it happen. Like, it, 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 we get way too caught up sometimes. And, like, especially I saw this, uh, this piece from – I won't mention the place, but I saw uh, something from a from a Blazers writer um, on – it was like a fake trade. It was Harden for C.J. McCollum and uh, Zach Collins, and they said no. I was like, what? (laughs) I'm like, this is okay. I'm sorry. Like, I love CJ McCollum. Great dude. Enjoy the podcast. Zach Collins, this will be his fourth year. And if he played the entire year, he still won't have played 200 games. Like, yeah. Like, no, this is a no brainer. Like what we're definitely overthinking this. Like, no, like there's, there's no thought process that has to go into it. Like that's where it comes into like, okay, you have to rely on your coaching staff and your front office. Like, you get the good players and you figure shit out from there. Like you can't just try and like, no, I, that exactly. Like I, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the same boat with you there. And there's a sentimental like value in getting the homegrown players, the players you drafted, like winning with them, like the 2008 Phillies, I'm wearing their national league champions shirt right now. Um, almost every one of their core pieces and almost all their role guys were drafted like by the Phillies state in their farm system. And that was like incredibly special and something I didn't realize at the time winning with Ben and Joel would be like really, really cool. And my friend 
compared it like when in hockey, when Ovechkin finally won with the Capitals, it was awesome. And when yeah. Durant won with the Warriors, it was like, well, yeah. So there is that sentimental value of winning with guys you drafted, but like watching them grow up. Like Joel Embiid's a dad now. I remember when he was drafted. Like that's weird. Yeah. And but at the same time, like winning a championship with Joel Embiid and not Ben Simmons would like still be okay by me. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I'd rather, I'd kind of rather win the championship than be like eye scratchingly like, <laughs> like terrible on offense and just not have any semblance of what Ben Simmons is doing while Joel Embiid's prime is wasted. So I'm, I'm all for Harden. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. It's uh no, that's a, that, that's interesting, man. Yeah, I think we'll see. I have no idea what will happen. I'm sure uh, Shams and Woj will keep us updated, but um, or they'll be quote tweeting people and blowing it up for themselves. But that's the whole thing on aggregation. <laughs> um, Kevin, before we get you out of here, man, what are you uh, what are you working on, or what do you want people to know about before uh, before you head out? Um, still writing for Liberty Ballers, our Sixers SB Nation blog. Um, I am on Sixers Talk for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, follow me on Twitter and see some deranged fun tweets at the Kevin Rice. I'll make you a header if you want to, as long as you pay me. Uh, <laughs> that's about it, I think. Go Pacers, go Sixers. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely. I'm excited for the game, man. I'm excited for the season. Thanks again for coming on, Kevin. Um, I'll be sure to drop your links down below. Um, to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for keeping with us for 40 minutes. Felt like longer, but all right, cool. Um, Appreciate you listening as always uh, and just have a good rest of your day.